Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Prepare our hearts for your word, God. That your word will go forth today, Lord, and change our lives and help us grow to become more like you, God. That we'll be led by the Spirit up here and we'll let your words come from our mouth, God. We worship you, we praise you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, here we are again with Brother... Brandon Obajenski leading us in this Bible study about prayer. I don't know about you guys, but that one last week really affected my life. It, Brandon was telling me as he was preparing, and he was like, this Bible study, it's changing everything. But tell him, you tell him. It, it really did. I mean, I was sitting there studying it, and once I started studying it, I, I got a grasp of what it can do. It was, I told Dan this, it's literally nuclear fertilizer for the fruits of the spirit is what, is what I felt it was like. It wasn't just fertilizer. It was the water for, it was the water. It was the food. It was the fertilizer. So as soon as I started incorporating that into it, it just completely changed. My prayer life completely changed. I was struggling with things that really hard for me, the loss of my firstborn child, I still struggled with very wholeheartedly every single day. It was something that was really still a very heavy, heavy burden that the devil was trying to use my son's, my son's memory against me and cause me grief, anguish, disappointment, and all of these other things. And as soon as I started incorporating love into it, God showed me, about, showed me another, another avenue of looking at it. And he completely changed things around. And I stood against the devil against it. I felt strong enough in my prayer life that I could stand against him about that. That I that it was something that I could take upon myself with my fellow brothers. That my relationship with God, God had become so strong that I felt like I could finally stand before the devil and say, you are no longer allowed to use this against me in this world. And we, we broke free from that. And through love, I found out that I've got a promise that I'm standing upon. I knew I was going to see my child again, but through love, he showed me the scriptures that what my promise stands upon and things just turned around from me. I started praying, Lord, let me learn how to love you more. And my prayer life completely changed around. My relationship with my wife changed. Everything just started to change at rates that I can't even explain. Things I, I, <laughs> Everything has just been 100% affected by it. Just my love for everybody else to my walk with Christ has totally changed to where I feel so much better now. Now that I went through and I made a new commitment with God because I wanted to show him how much I loved him. And he was showing me ways to love him more. It just, I, I've been able, he's opened up the avenue for me to minister to people in ways that I haven't been able to do before. Right, right. So, I mean, just literally every single little aspect of my life has completely changed since I started studying and really applying love. It showed me things that I struggled with way back from growing up because we, we, we had love in our household, but it was something that was not shown very well. It was not something that was predominantly shown. We saw the other side of it. And we, we say, we often say that, you know, God can fix everything. Jesus is the answer for this world. Mm -hmm. But God is love. And and if we and that's what I've been really realizing this past week. And everything you're just saying about your life being changed, like it it all was changed because of God, but God only works through love. And if we can adapt that in our lives, when we're dealing with everybody else around us, that's how we're going to change our life. Yeah. You're, believe me, like I've been a heathen. <laughs> I've been a heathen. So there was plenty of opportunities for people no. to try to change me. There was plenty of opportunities. And never was I ever changed by anything that didn't come from love. If people came up and they, in a hateful way, tried to tell me all the stupid things I was doing in my life, it immediately went in one ear and out the other. And I didn't care about them because they didn't care about me. But as soon as I started you know, figuring out love, and I had people who came to me in love. Your dad, pastor, our pastor, he came to me. I'll never forget it. When I was a drunk 
and I was not doing good, and I was down and out, and I came in church, and I, that's why I've told everybody, it doesn't, like, people are like, get hurt and they leave church, there's nothing, I couldn't get hurt enough to leave my pastor, because he was the one who came to me at my lowest, put his arm around me, and said, Dan, I don't care how much you drink on Saturday, you better be here on Sunday. Those words changed my life, because they came out of love. He didn't, he didn't say, Dan, you're no good drunk, and if you can ever stop being dumb, then maybe I'll love you. That's not what he did. He said, I love you, and I know you're flawed, but I love you anyways. And that's what God does for us. And if we can turn around and do that for people in our lives, we, we've got to love our enemies. you know. But it starts with loving our neighbors, our, our brothers and our sisters. So this is a scripture Brandon sent for me to read today to begin is 1 John 3 verses 14 and 15. I read this whole section last week, but we wanted to just emphasize this as we break into this week's Bible study. If we love our Christian brothers and sisters, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. So this is a big one right here. Um, so it just says if we, if we love our fellow brothers and sisters that we have passed from death to life. So we are no longer just dead. We are no longer just here roaming this world. We're, we're here, we're living, we're breathing. We have life inside of us. So what should we be doing? Now that we know that we're actually alive, that we're not just here living inside of the matrix and just sitting here, just being a part of this life, we know we have a purpose inside of it because everything that's living has a purpose. If the grass is growing and it's not dead, it's producing oxygen for you to breathe. If everything that is living has a purpose and everything that is dead, served its purpose already so we're not done serving our purpose he's saying no i've taken you from what you feel i'm ta i've taken you from an alcoholic brandon and made you into this and so now it's time for you to put that dead sin away and it's time for you to start actually living let's get going let's start living and before we get into all of this um i just want to say Go through and read these scriptures for yourselves because there is so much inside of this that we had to consolidate everything down. I was sitting here last night up till probably about 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock till I texted Dan. So I'm sitting here writing all of this down. I'm like, man, how are we going to get through all of this? So just let this encourage you guys to go through and do research right. on it for yourself because oh, there is... The There's whole book of First John. Whole book. Yeah, we were. That's that. Literally, majority of our material was right out of First John. First John two, three, four. I was like, we were like, this is like the love book. Like it's it, it's incredible. And if you can't read, I did just cover it with my family on the podcast. So anybody out there who can't read, we got we got listening tools too. But he's right because especially when you get the letter in total, you see how like he he'll talk about other things. And then every, like, if you, if I show you in my Bible here, when we pulled up 1 John, I, I marked a whole section. See, look, this was John 2. We started in 2. This was the whole section on love that I covered the first week. This was uh, 3. This is the whole section. This is John 4. We're about to cover this whole section. And then 5 goes right back into it. So, as you can see, like, the majority of those chapters... We're all about love. Like so John, first John is a great book to get into if you're having trouble loving. <laughs> he will teach you a thing or two. And speaking of that, we're we're gonna talk about another person who had trouble with love and loving. Because not only are we what we're loving, but we're also affected by the things that happen to us in this world. And that's one of the hardest things is showing love. When we're, when we're in positions where we're not feeling like we're receiving that love. Because right now we're all running on cloud nine and we're loving. And, but I've been in places in my life where I didn't feel like everybody around me loved me. But that didn't change what the Bible told us to do. So me and him did a big study into the life of Joseph this week. And we were looking into the whole story of Joseph. 
and how love shines through that story. Because Joseph, first off, he was born out of love. Joseph was the most loved in his family, right? Yeah. His dad was like, this is my prized possession. I love this kid. And, and so we already have a story that comes right out of love. And then Joseph was a loving person. He loved his family members. He loved his household. He, he, he wasn't one of the strifeful brothers who were out fighting and causing trouble. But he had his brothers. And we know the story that they sold him into slavery. They got jealous over him. So he, he starts off in this loving position where everything's going good. And then he finds himself in a position where he's alone in a hole and nobody loves him. Nobody loves him anymore. Then, then he, he gets sent away. He's put in palaces where I'm sure people were affectionate towards him because he was doing a good job. But there wasn't real love. And that's the other thing, you know, Brandon talked about how many times love's mentioned in the Bible. But when we're reading 1 John, he's not just talking about love. Love had, there's five different types of love. He's talking about agape love in John. He's talking about God's love that is literally against our character. It's not in our character to do that. It, it, it's totally against us. To have a pure, un, unconditional love. That's not part of it. And here's Joseph. He's going to show us this. Because Joseph gets stoned into prison. He's still doing what's right. But throughout all of this, what is, what is Joseph doing? He's ministering to the people. He's helping the prisons. I, I've been learning this at work. Brandon mentioned this last week. He talked a lot about how at work, he's showing everybody around him love. What can I do for you? That's love. So that's what Joseph is practicing as he's in prison, as he's in slavery, as he's moving around in all these dark places. He's holding on to this love and he's not letting that go. Even though times are crazy, everything around him is rough. It doesn't make sense. I'm being told, God told me I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my family bow down before me. God gave me this dream, and none of that's happening. So what, what you know, it's already depressing when, we, when we're having things happen in our life and people aren't being loving and all that. But how much more depressing is it when on top of all that, all the people around me, I'm still trying to do the right thing. And I know God gave me a dream that's not coming true. I don't know, but... I mean, we're in positions right now where God's given us some dreams. And when we don't see those dreams coming true, that hurts more than some of the things I'm going through in my life. Because I can handle some of the, you know, I can handle being in slavery. We're in slavery. I can get up and go to work every day. That's no problem. But I don't want to disappoint God. And if I'm not doing what he's called me to do, it's disappointing him. And I know that. So Joseph's in, he's literally in this position. Then he's got then he's got Potiphar's wife come after him. He's got a lot of things going on. He's <laughs> and got he's like he, But he does the right thing. Why didn't why didn't he sleep with Potiphar's wife? Would that have benefited him? He probably could have got some French benefits out of all that. But he didn't because he loved his master. He loved his boss over him and he's like I'm not going to do something that's going to hurt you. I'm, I want the best for you. That's what he told her. How could I do this to him? How could I do this to him? That's so much love from somebody that everybody's turned against. How many times does our world tell us when everything goes wrong? And that's something, that's something you guys got to think about too. If you think about it, if you're sitting there for over the course of two, three years and you keep denying this woman that wants to sleep with you, and and your head, the head of that household knows you've been denying that. You're, you're doing everything to stay away from her. You're changing the course of your day just so you guys' path doesn't intersect. And then at the end of the day, when she finally figures out that she can't have her way, I'm going to basically throw around rape accusations and get you thrown out of here. After you've shown commitment to this family for so many years, and right. then just in a matter of an instant, 
what, what do you mean? That was, I did not do that. I have changed my entire day schedule so I do not lay eyes on your wife because that is your wife. That is not that is not my property. That is not my wife. That is not something I want. That is something that I'm holding in the utmost respect because I know that that is yours. And you're just going to throw me out because of that? What have I done to deserve this? All I have done is love you guys by this. All I have done is shown faith in you. Because faith shows itself through love. So so you're telling me now you're going to send me into slavery again? My brother sent me into slavery. I was sold twice. Then I came here and now I've got this going on. And now I've been faithful to you, to you, to this church, to everything else. And you guys now, because this woman is throwing around these accusations, you're going to believe her word and you're going to send me off to be thrown down once again to go live in the mud go live in the slums but yet he still continued in love and faith right and how many times does our world tell us when everything's against you what did what did job's wife tell you should just curse god and die yeah. yeah that's what our world tells us look at your life joseph your family betrayed you nobody loves you you're in slavery now you're in prison everything's turned against you right. give up and die but Joseph still has a dream. And he's still walking in love. So what could possibly go wrong? And then, of course, we know the story. God raises him up. God puts him in a place of authority. God, God stay, and then here, and this is where we're going to pick the story up here. We're going to pick this up in chapter 45. This is when Joseph still, he still hasn't seen his dream come true. But now he's sitting in a better position. So we've seen how Joseph loved when he was down in the dumps. Now he's sitting on the throne. He's sitting up on the throne now. Now well, let's see if he, he'll continue in this. So we all know what happens when you get a little bit of power. It usually oh, yeah. tends to go to your head. We've all, we've all seen this. As soon as right. somebody gets a little bit of authority, a little bit of power, they tend to overlook how they got there and why they got there. Right. And now they think that they're better than everybody else. Just like we were talking about last week. If you come up to somebody saying, I'm better than you, I'm this, I'm that, it's not going to be received. So now that you're sitting inside of a place of actual power, Let's see what he does with it. All right, so Joseph could stand it no longer. Starting in verse 1 from chapter 45 of Genesis. There were many people in the room, and he said, he said to his attendants, send out all of you. So he was alone with his brothers, and he told them who he was. Then he broke down and wept. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians could hear him. And the word of it spread quickly to Pharaoh's palace. So he's not, he's not being just surface love. He's not acting like, oh yeah. No, he has a genuine love for his brothers. These are the guys who sent him away. These are the guys who ruined his life. And he is genuinely weeping and happy to finally be able to show them who he is. He says, I am Joseph. He says to his brothers, is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. And you could preach on that all day. He never stopped thinking about the father. Never stopped thinking about the father. But his brothers were speechless. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of him. Please come closer, he said to them. Please come closer, guys. You know, for, I'm telling you right now, if I... If I Tied my brother up, sold him into slavery, and then convinced my, my family he was dead and betrayed him. And now he's a powerful king standing in front of me. He'd have to tell me to come closer too. Because I would be backpedaling pretty fast. And that's what his brothers were doing. And Joseph's saying, no. Just like, just like God when we've done things to wrong God. And we're standing in his almighty presence. And we're like, oh no. My sin killed his son. And he's like, no, come closer. Come closer, guys. I don't, I don't care what's happened in the past. Come closer, he said to them. So they came closer and he said again, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. But don't be upset. He tells them. like that. We talked about love, self-sacrifice. I don't want you guys to be upset. 
Don't worry about me being upset. I don't want you guys to be upset right now. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. That that that's a big that's a big pill to swallow if you think about it, because if they really just wanted to get rid of him, if I look at this two ways, if they would have just murdered him, it would have been done. It would have been easy. It it would have been easy. Joseph would have gone off and he would have gone through all of the struggles that he has gone through. But instead, they sold him to slavery, something worse than just dying. They wanted the absolute worst for him. They right. wanted they they wanted it so bad that they wanted his dad to feel horrible. He wanted their dad just to mourn. If he would have, <laughs> there was only it's, one of them that saved his life. Only yeah. one. Yeah, it was only Reuben yeah. who got him out of that mess. The rest were what? Let's not kill him. Yeah, yeah. He was that was one. The rest were ready. They were going to kill him. But how much again? I'm going to correlate this to standing before our King. How much is this like Christ too? Christ said, come closer. I'm the one that you sold into slavery. I'm the one you put on the cross. I'm the one who caused the, the, you're, you're the I'm the one who paid the price because you sold me into slavery. And then he says, but don't be upset and don't be angry with yourself for what you did. I have forgiven you already, so you should forgive yourselves for this. Man, it was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives. God. That's how is that not Christ, guys? Like, I don't know, the Holy Ghost is blowing my mind right now. Because that's exactly what Christ did for us. That's exactly we betrayed him. We sold him for our sin. He went and paid the price and then stands there with his arms open going, come closer, guys. Come closer. Don't be upset. Don't be angry that you caused me to pay for my life because I went ahead of you to prepare this place. God sent me to prepare this for you. He could have easily just sent his brothers back the first time with just enough wheat for their father. He could have sent them back with just enough food that he kept their father healthy because I'm sure if they would have came back with he said go get go get us enough food that we can we can eat for the rest of the year if he would have came back with a month's worth of rations I'm pretty sure the head of the household would have gotten first dibs on that but instead he sent them with enough food for the year and not only that he did it for free by giving them the rest of their money back by putting it inside of their sacks so instead of just giving them food, they gave them the money, they gave them donkeys, they gave them everything else that they needed to survive. Why they still didn't know that he was Joseph. <laughs> he says the famine has ravaged the land for two years the last, and will last for five more years. And there will be neither plowing nor harvesting. God has sent me ahead of you to keep you and your families alive and to preserve many survivors. Again, it's God. He's called, I've come to save the nations. I come to save the whole world, the survivors. So it was God who sent me here, not you. Oh, it was God who gave his only son for our sin. It wasn't our sin that held him to that cross. It was God who said, you're my son and I'm giving you so that I can save many. Man, that is so powerful. He's to manager his entire palace and govern over all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. Oh my God, that's so good. It, it's something we can really take into account of our lives and our daily thing of sin. You know, I'm not going to say God made me, made me an alcoholic so I can go minister to the rest of the alcoholics. But I guarantee you put somebody who's been sober their entire life and then you put somebody who's gone through the struggles and know how hard it is right. in order to quit drinking. They're going to listen to the person who's gone through those struggles yeah. already. So I'm not saying God put alcohol in my life so no. I could go minister to Your brothers else. did. But, <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, your brothers did. They did. Your flesh. Your flesh 
But he yeah. showed me how I could use my sin, not for the glory of the devil, but for the glory of God and help the rest right. of his children. Yeah. God meant it for good. That's awesome. So come down to me immediately. You can live and reign with me in heaven. I mean, Goshen. Because <laughs> this is God in heaven. You can live and reign with me in this promised land where I'm the master. That's what he's calling them to do. Where you can be near me and all of your children and grandchildren and flocks and herds and everything you own. I will take care of you there. Man, that I, you, I did not see this Bible study going that way. But God is all over this. I will take care of you there. We read in the Bible study this morning with the boys where it says, God, God will God will provide all your needs because he cares for you. And I put an emphasis on that. Like, Brandon, God will give you a house because he cares for you. Now, now not just because you're doing everything right, because we are doing everything right right now. We are doing what God wants us to do. But that's not why he does it. Because God is love. He does it because he loves. Amen. Right. You know, they say there's a formula shortage going on right now. I've seen the shortage, but my family hasn't felt the shortage. And we don't go through just a little amount of baby formula. We go, we go through a lot of baby formula. We go through probably about $250 worth of formula a month. But never once have I gone to fill up my child's bottle and not had the formula to do it. <laughs> That's so good. Every time I stop to read the Bible, Brandon talks about exactly what I'm reading about. For there will still be five years of famine ahead of you. <laughs> there might not be baby formula. Otherwise, you and your household and all of your animals will starve if you don't know me. If you don't let me take care of you. Then Joseph added, look, you can see for yourselves and so can my brother Benjamin that I really am Joseph. Now go and tell my father for my honor. Go and tell my father my honored position here in Egypt. Describe to him everything you have seen and then bring my father here quickly. Weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin and Benjamin did the same. And Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after they had begun freely talking to him. Wow. Word free, freely right there says something about it too. They were so they were so disheartened, discouraged that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know if whether they were going to get punished, they were going to get this, they were going to get that. But because of the love of Joseph, all of those fears kind of got set away. They were able to speak freely. They were able to speak without hindrance of what their words could say in order to impact their future. They felt comfortable enough that they could actually talk to Joseph again as a brother, as a member of the family, and still feel that love. Boldly and confidently go to the throne. Man, that, that is so powerful, man. Don't feel bad over what you did. Come live here with me and the Father and let's enjoy life because I'm going to take care of you. Man, dude, God is so good. I can't get over how good he is. I'll send my son so that, so that everything's good. Now, now here we go. Now we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna jump to chapter 50, verse 14 because now the Father passes away. The father passes away, and the brothers are like, uh-oh, now dad's gone. Does, does, is the son just good because the dad was watching him? Was he just caring about my father? So after burying Jacob, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's burial. And now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph will show his anger and pay his back for all the wrong that we did to him. So they sent a messenger to Joseph. Before, before your father died, he instructed us to say to you, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong that they've done for you and for their sin in treating you so cruelly. So they're, they're lying to him, but they're like, hey, just let you know. Dad doesn't want you to get. Dad doesn't want you. To I, I, I love. I love how they put that down. It made me chuckle. It really made me laugh when I was reading it. I was like, man, they really had to go through and say, Dad told us to tell you this. Don't don't punish the messenger. Don't punish the messenger. Right. I'm just delivering this message. I go to God the same way sometimes. I'm like, hey, you remember the father said 
that you were going to protect us and you were going to forgive us. And he says, so we, the servants of the God, so they're even bringing that up now. We, the servants of God and the Father, beg you to forgive our sins. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Again, a good example of Christ. When we're like, God, can you please still forgive me for that dumb thing I did 15 years ago? And God breaks down and weeps like, guys, come on. You don't get it. We're past that point. He says, look, we are, or he broke down and wept. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Jesus. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. That's, that, that's something we should really take to heart, is that last piece right there. Who Am I God that I should judge you? Am I God that I should punish you for this? No, that is not our place. Our place is to show love, compassion, and bring those that are hurting closer so that God can heal them. I'm not going to sit here and judge everybody else on what they're doing. Because if I'm so worried about what you're doing, I'm not focused on what I'm doing with my relationship with God. And that should be our only goal. My, other than that, my goal should be to help out every single, every single person inside of this room. Because if I'm focusing on helping you out, I know somebody else is watching my back. Instead of focusing on pointing out what you guys are doing wrong, I'm going to help you guys figure out how you guys can get past that. How, how can I help you guys? How can I, I just asked pastor this the other day because I was going through and long suffering. I was like, what does long suffering mean? That's the one thing out of the fruits of the spirit that I'm not fully understanding. What is long suffering? I thought it meant like you're just going to suffer for a really long time. And he's like, no, that's not it. You're going to go through and help people through their trials. And we're going to do that by love. So we're not to judge. We're not to put, we're not to make people feel bad. We are there to help them love and help them grow through our love. You know, because I'm not going to judge. We've seen what judgment has done. We've seen it. We've all gone through high school. Some of the hardest times in our lives is when we were sitting there again, judged by every single body, everybody in school. I was a pastor's child who was homeschooled, who wore hand-me-downs and cowboy boots on the basketball court. I got judged a lot. I got judged a lot. I know how hard that was, but I also know how much the people that loved me, how much they stood up for me, and how much easier that made it because they understood I was probably one of the realest people in that high school because I didn't care what anybody else thought about me. So I let them judge me, and the people who loved me helped me through it. Right. And you yeah. said something really good, and you're segueing right into the next scripture when you were like, it's not only about loving our brothers, it's about loving everybody else. So we're going to read Luke 10, starting in verse 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question, Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, what does the law say? Moses, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? And the man answered, I must love the Lord God with all my heart, with all my soul and strength, and with all my mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he answered Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And again, yeah, you, you can probably say what I'm about to say. But we talked about how without love, you're a murderer. Yeah, You're a murderer. Joseph would have murdered his brothers for what they did to him if it hadn't been for love. I know I would have. Right. And here he says, and do this, and you will live. What were you getting ready to say? Oh, I was going to let you speak for a little bit. No, don't do that. I speak enough. It's your turn. <laughs> So Jesus, I'll speak this word. There we go. I'll read. <laughs> Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he was attacked 
by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed on the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him laying there. But he also passed him by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with oil, olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn. There he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man, and if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. And the man replied, The one who showed mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Wow. Go and do the same. Go show mercy. Go show love. Because that's how we're going to become brothers and sisters. Which one was his neighbor? Which one was his brother? The one who showed love. Wasn't the one who was studying the word the entire time and then decided not to follow it. Right. It wasn't him. It was the one. And if you think about it, you know, we're, we're pretty blessed today now in time to be able to go through and do all of this stuff. To have a pantry full of food. And if we run out, we can go down to Kroger's and grab some more. Back in that time, it wasn't like that. So if you really think about what he just did for him. He gave up his oil. He gave up his wine. He gave up his bandages. Those are probably the only oil bandages and wine that he had. He gave up his ride. Instead of, instead of him riding the donkey, which we don't know how far he had to walk, he put him on his donkey. He gave up his comfy ride into it. And then on top of that, he probably took the last of the money that he had and said, here, take care of him. And even if you go over this, I will hold true and I will pay off the remainder of his debt next time I see you. That is not something small in that time. Man, we could really dissect that too and see all the areas in which he showed love. He bandaged his wounds. He healed them. He, he, he supported them. He carried them. He paid for them. You know, he, he took care of them the whole time. They said they beat him and left him naked. He clothed them. You know, he fed him. He gave him drinks. You know, like these are the areas that we can be Samaritans to people in our lives. Everybody's like, oh, I want to be a good Christian. I'm just going to smile and say nice things to people. That's not what being a Christian is. That's like he said, you're not his neighbor. You're, he wouldn't have been the neighbor if he wouldn't have done all of those things. Those are what it required to be loving. And that's where Christ gives him a command. Now go and do the same. Don't just love people. Don't walk by them in the ditch and go, I'm praying for you. Yeah. <laughs> I hope you get better down there. God, Hey, God's got you. Because like we read last week and we've read a couple times in the previous weeks, you can do all of these great and miraculous things for God. But if you don't incorporate love, he's going to be like, who, who are you? I understand that you've healed people in my name, but who, who are you again? I'm sorry, that, that's not ringing a bell. I remember, I remember that miracle happening, but who are you? I'm sorry, no, it's, nope, you can't get in, sorry. Yep. God said that he was going to be in us. We're going to be in him. If you don't have love in you, he's not in you. He's not in you. So let's go to 1 John chapter 4. This is the, again, we're back to that love book again. <laughs> And we're going to read this whole section of this fourth chapter, starting in verse 7, going right to the end of it. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by, by sending his one and only son 
into this world so that we might have eternal life through him. And if you want to talk about this, you can just start. I'll, I'll pick up. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. There, there's, that, there's that showing of what real love is. It says, not that you love God, but that God loved you first, that he sent his one and only God and son. He was living high up in heaven. He had everything he needed, and then he was like, all right, I'm going to send you down because I love these people so much that they need their sins taken away, that they need a better way of life. So I am going to sacrifice you. True acts of love have to require some sort of self-sacrifice. It's hard to understand, but once you understand it, it starts to really click in place. If you're doing something that's easy for you to do, that doesn't really require much sacrifice or really really require anything on your part, is that being is that loving or is that just being kind? Because both the guys I walked by didn't require anything. They just looked, didn't cost them a dime, and they kept going. But the one guy who sacrificed his money and his expenses. That's the, that's the guy who showed love. So I'm sure he could have just used the olive oil and bandages to tend to his wounds, but he was like, man, you just got being like two seconds away from your life. I know your body's hurting really bad. We're gonna stop the infection with this olive oil. We're gonna keep it clean with these bandages. You're good now, right? No, my, I, I'm, I'm throbbing, I'm hurting so bad. All right, here's some wine to take the edge off of that. I'm sure he could have kept that wine for himself on the walk up there like, man, I'm about to spend all of my money. I'm about to do this. I'm about to do that. All right, well, at least I have some good wine to comfort me right now. At least I have something to drink to help pass my time. At least I have this to nourish my body. But no, he didn't keep that for himself either. He gave that to him so that he could, so he could probably get a little bit of rest so his body could feel a little more at ease. So he all right, boys, you got to be quiet back there. Be quiet. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're fine. <laughs> I had to be a dad for a minute. <laughs> so, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, and his love is brought to full expression in us. Wow. That right there hit me hard the other night, that our love comes to full expression. Because we're supposed to be like Christ, and we know Christ is, is love, and he dwells inside of us, and we're supposed to do these great miraculous things for him and everything else. So how are, how are we going to do this? By loving him. And so now that we're loving him, it's become stronger. It's just like chainmail. Chainmail is an individual little piece of metal. But once you add it into another link, now it becomes stronger. Now, now me and Dan are interlocking arms, and we're calling, calling Red Rover over. By myself, I can't stop this from happening. But together, me and Dan lock together. Now we can protect. Let's protect somebody that we've just brought into our flock from All this right. happening. All right, now, now Nan's hopping in. All right, so now my left side's guarded. Now my right side's guarded. Now you've got four links that you got to break in order to get to this. And that's all happening because I showed Nan love, because Nan showed me love. Because now we love each other so much that we're at full compassion for Why each other. love binds us together. And now, because we are loving as God loved everybody else, now our love is becoming even stronger, even stronger, even stronger, just as... Because now we're adding more links into the chainmail. Now it's not just guard, guarding my heart. Now it's guarding my entire thing. And now I've got the entire body of the church that loves me and they know that I love them. So now I have no problem going off to somebody and being like, hey man, I see you're pretty down today. What's going on? Talk to me. Let's go over here. Let's talk. What's happening with your life right now, dude? This isn't you. You're always happy. You're always joyful. Why are you so down today? If I didn't show these people love, they wouldn't be willing to talk to me about it. I wouldn't right. be able to take on part of their burden and reassure them through love that it's all right, man. I've got you. I've got you. Right. It doesn't matter because we've got each other. And now that our love has came to its fullest, nobody can love more than God because God is love. And so now he's working that through us. That's now good. instead of having to worry about everything else, all we got to do is, all, you're telling me all I got to do is love somebody who's loved me? That's pretty simple. 
Right. That's pretty simple. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. All who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them and they live in God. We know how much God loves us and we put our trust in his love. Wow. Because God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. I love this passage. I love this scripture. I really do. Because it sums up just about everything for me. How are we supposed to do all of this? God, how am I supposed to start loving you more? Well, if I'm inside God and God's inside of me and our love's growing stronger, isn't that bringing us closer together? By loving him, isn't that bringing me closer to God? If I'm dwelling inside of him and he's dwelling inside of me, what can I not accomplish? What can I not do? If I'm, if I'm loving God more and he's making our relationship stronger and stronger and stronger, what's going what's going to break that tether? Because I've got the Holy Spirit to guide me. Now I've got God living inside of me. Now I have a direct link to God. And now I know that he dwells inside of me. So now I've got, I, I've, got my, I've got my brothers backing me, but most importantly, I've got the armor of God on. I've got my brothers. And then all of that, I still have God inside of me. It, let me point something out right here. It says, God is love. All who live in love live in God. It says, all who live in love. If we make our lives a point of love, what happens? Because he says it right here. If we live in love, then our love grows more perfect. So if you make it your goal to love, I'm going to love every day. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep loving. That love is going to grow more perfect. When it grows more perfect, what's going to happen is we lose our fear of judgment and we start acting like Christ in this world. That's what he just said here. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect so that we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus in this world. So, so my, my, yeah. love, my love's growing more perfect. I don't think you can get much closer to somebody than dwelling inside of them. I don't, I don't think it's really physically possible to get much closer to somebody. Right. So we're growing closer. Now we don't have to worry about Judgment Day. What else is there? Right. What else more, what else more do you want? We've got the relationship. We've got his word. We're growing closer. Our love is becoming more perfect. Which the Greek translation of becoming more means maturing. To summarize it, it means maturing. Not that you failed and now you've got to start over again. That you realize what you did. Now you're going to change aspects in it because you understood what went wrong in that aspect. And now you're you're going to mature. You're going to leave that in the past. You're going to figure out how to adapt, how to overcome it. And now you're not going to make that same mistake again. And if you do make that same mistake again, that's all right because we got grace and we got mercy. Right. I'm going to answer your question right there, though. You said, what else can we do when we're living love and we're outside of judgment? We can live like Christ in this world. Now that we, we're like we're, we're at this point right now, I'm speaking to us up here. We've gotten to the point where we're loving. We're moving in love. Now I'm not afraid of judgment no more. I know I'm saved. I don't. So now what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's time to stop acting and thinking like a sinner, but to start acting and thinking like Christ in this world. Have the mind of Christ in this world. We're beyond all that, guys. 
We've put the sin away. We got love growing inside of us. That means God's inside of us. That means we ain't got to be fearful of judgment. Now we can be like Christ. We can go minister. We can reach the lost. We can heal people. We can, we can feed the multitudes. We can do these things because of the love that's grown perfect inside of us. And such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced perfect love. We love each other because he first loved us. And if someone says, I love God, but hates his Christian brother or sister, that person is a liar. For if we don't love people who we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? If he has given us this command, and he has given us this command, those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. So we, above all, should be walking in love and loving our brothers and sisters. Nothing else fixes anybody's life other than love. It's what fixed our life. That's why we're not fearful of punishment. Is because we know God's love. If we held that love, I'm not worried about going to heaven or hell. I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with him. He called me here to take care of him. Or to take care of me. Not to take care of him. He called me home so he could take care of me because he loves us. So why don't, we, why don't we put a book marker right here? Of course, we're not done with love. We're never going to be done with love. No, we, got, we got a quarter way through. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm glad. I'm glad that I saved a lot of the stuff that you have prepared because next week I want to hear from you. I want to hear from your heart again. And we're going to continue this Bible study in love. But let's go to the Lord in prayer today. Dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Thank you for spending your life with us, God. Thank you for being in us, God, and allowing us to abide in you, God. That your love will grow to perfection for everyone who's listening to this Bible study and sat here tonight under our voice, God. We want your love. We want it in our lives. We want it to shine through our lives so that it can affect other people and draw other people to you, God. For your glory and for your kingdom, God. We worship you for being a God of love. We thank you for feeling your love in our lives, Lord. We worship you and please dump that love out on everybody who hears this. That they feel your arms wrap around them right now. And they feel your love rush into their hearts, God. We worship you. We praise you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.